0: We're in a series called 25,000 Mornings, and if you guys don't know the concept of it, we have uh, an incredible series that I think is really important, basically communicating the principle that there is limited time here on earth, and from your adult age of about 18 to 80 is the average uh, lifespan, Uh, your adult life, you have about 62 years, which equates to just about 25,000 mornings. And so we identified a scripture in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says, to teach us to number our days, that we might live wisely. And we might live well. How many in here want to live wise? Come on. How many want in here live well? I want to live well in my life. And so the past couple weeks, we talked about how to live well. And you can't live well when you live hurt. You can't live well when you live discouraged. And so I talked two messages. uh, I need a doctor and how to stay encouraged. I thought they were really powerful. And so I'd highly recommend you go back to the YouTube or podcast and check those out. And so ultimately, when I was designing this series, what I wanted to talk about is basically how to, in our church, design and create people that are joyful. How many in here want to be joyful? So we want joyful people in our church, but next two weeks what I want to talk about is how to be powerful people in our church. And so I don't want just joy. I want to see power. I want to see people be so powerful, so influential, and usher in heaven on earth into our community, into our families, our cities, and our businesses. Does that sound good for anybody else? And so that's what I want to talk about today. And uh, ultimately what I want to teach on is a subject that honestly, and just being very vulnerable for a second, I think the body of Christ, the overall global church, has been absolutely terrible at this. And I want to be honest, because I think our church is pretty good at it, but I want to make sure it's a skill that we inquire of and we, and we develop, is how to restore people well. Because how many of know we're not just a country club with, that's exclusive, come on, we're a hospital for the broken. Did you hear me, everybody? Come on, we're a hospital for the broken where anybody and everybody can come in here, and you're going to be loved here, but you're also going to be challenged here. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, is this is what it says in Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, another uh, if any other believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly shall watch, gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Stay right there, everybody. And so ultimately what this principle is teaching is the principle of restoration. Somebody say restoration. And so how many know we are called to not condemn people but restore people? Come on, we're called to restore people. But it says gently and humbly restore them. Listen, if you want to take down a thought, write this one down as this. is when it comes to when people make mistakes or when people commit sin or people have issues, the goal is not to make them known that they're wrong. The goal is to make it right. And so it's not to point out that you are wrong. The goal is to say, here's the pathway to make things right again. And it goes on to say this in verse 2. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Another translation literally says, be careful because you might be the one that needs forgiveness by the end of the day. The Bible is savage. Y'all. I just want you to know that. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important, watch this. I told you the Bible savage. too, too important to help somebody. You are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. What an encouraging message, everybody. Come on. And uh, ultimately, I want to teach from this subject today, I messed up. Come on, can you turn to five people around you and just high-five them and just tell them, listen, neighbor, I messed up. I jacked some stuff up. Come on, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. I messed up, and uh, what I really want to talk about, wow, there's a lot of trash talk going on in the church. It's great. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. It's such an encouraging church. It's amazing. Uh, really, what I want to talk about is, is what, what do you do when you mess up or somebody you love messes up? What do you do? When you mess up or somebody else that you love messes up, let's pray. Uh, Father, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for an opportunity like this. I know just in this past service, God, uh, and getting to talk to people outside, uh, how deeply it ministered to them. And so, Lord, I want to speak directly to the leader in the greatness inside of every person. And I want to pull out the gold on the inside of them. And so, Father, I really believe that when I listened to this content, when I when I read this scripture, it changed my life. And so I pray that it would, it would do exactly that today. I don't want to just preach. I want to declare. I want to prophesy today. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask for your help. Change us, challenge us, convict us today, Father. Uh, help us to, first of all, see Jesus, to encounter uh, the power of God and to hear from heaven. Lord, we want to see miracles occur in this service. Help us to be powerful people. I want to be people of influence. I want to be people where we restore people. Uh, and so would you help connect church to be able to do that today? In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said? Come on, everybody said. Amen. Can we all praise the Lord, everybody? Come on, cop your hands and lift your voice. Amen. Um, I, uh, I was going back into my memories and just kind of thinking, uh, what are some mistakes that I could share to my church family about some of the areas where I've really messed up in? And I thought to myself, I'm a little uncomfortable sharing my mistakes, and so what I really want to do is share my wife's mistakes. And so, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be terrible. She's watching online. Babe, I'm so sorry about that joke. Um, have you guys ever heard the story of the, of the pool boy? Uh, ultimately, there's this young man who got this entry-level position uh, for this hotel, and he was required to maintain and take care of the pool. And so he does his job. He's doing it with diligence. He's working hard. And ultimately, he's filling the pool up, and he leaves for the next day, comes back the next morning, realizes he forgot to turn off the water, and he realizes the entire pool deck has been completely flooded. And it wrecked everything, so much so that it actually seeped into the ground, and uh, the water had ruined the bar beneath them, and it cost well over $100,000 in damages. And so he was freaking out, and so he goes to his manager, passes in his resignation letter to his manager, and he says, I'm so sorry. And the manager responds, he goes, young man, why in the world would I fire you or release you because I just made $100,000 training and investment into you? (laughs) That was a powerful story. Because oftentimes what happens in our day, in our context, in our culture, is when people make a mistake, we push them out. You know, come on, any, anybody ever play sports in this room? I remember back in the day when I would play basketball, a lot of times we would go into the game, make a mistake, and as we, got, as we made a mistake, there was one particular coach, wasn't a great coach, he pulled us, benched us for the rest of the game. How many know this is the culture that we live in, and when people make mistakes, that's the best time to be able to teach and coach and mentor? And so, listen, if you want to take a thought down, write this down as this. is how you handle their worst determines if you ever get their best. Yeah. How you handle their worst determines if you will ever get their best. And here's what I know about everybody in this room. You messed up in your life, somewhere, shape, or form. Come on. Everybody in here has messed up in some way, some capacity, with some person. Why don't you go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you messed up. You've messed up in some way. And so everybody has messed up. But here's what I also know is everybody has messed up. But listen, everybody deserves a second chance. Come on, because how many know uh, we have messed up? We have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, we have all sinned. And so God has given us chance after chance after chance. And so how many know you've got a second chance and it's time to release other second chances to other people? Why? Because this is the nature of our God, and this is the nature of the kingdom of God. We should be people that show grace, and I want to let you know about Connect Church today, and I'm going to start preaching right now. Connect is a place of grace, and no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter where you have come from, no matter the mistakes you have made, the flaws that you have, let me tell you something. You are welcome into this house. You're welcome. And so I just thought that that story was a brilliant, powerful story that illustrates a principle of teaching and training and mentoring people. But we don't have very good mentors in our culture today because what we call tough love is actually abandonment. Oh, my God. Did you just hear what I said? Yeah, what we, what we call tough love, we'll just say, oh, they're going to learn it by themselves. What's that? That's abandonment. That's not tough love. Tough love. And so I think what we need to learn how to do and what I want to teach today is learning how to mentor and how to help people appropriately and well. Because how many know? You've messed up in your life. And oftentimes how we mess up, your mind is so open, your heart is so open, and that is the best opportunity to lead and to train and to mentor somebody. Can I get an amen? And so here's what I know. The two areas, the two ways everybody learns in life, one of two ways. You either learn from your mistakes or you learn from your mentors. By the way, let me just put a little plug in there. You need a mentor. Everybody, everybody needs a mentor. It's such an invaluable thing to have in your life is to have a mentor. And so you either get to learn from your mistakes or you get to learn from your mentors. And listen to me, you either learn through discipleship or discipline. And so you get to choose based on your humility level. If you have humility, you'll you'll learn through discipleship. And your coach, your teacher, your parent, your mentor, your leader will help train you and teach you and disciple you. Or you will have to learn through discipline. Because how many know life is a much harder teacher than your mentor is? Because you will get slapped upside the face in life. You will fall down in life. And as life tries to pick you back up, it will punch you in the chest only to fall down again. That's what happens with life. And so we either learn from mistakes or we learn from mentors. Let me show you and and just express one of the uh, gravest mistakes I've ever made in my life. Uh, I remember in high school, I think I was probably 15, 16 years old. I have a horrible habit. Uh, I I stole a lot of stuff, Okay, Now, save your judgment, everybody, because I could feel it in the room. (laughs) I stole a lot of stuff. I was like a kleptomaniac. Developed a bad habit because of some friends. Um, Because how many know? Success, travels, impacts, so do failures. (laughs) And so does bad habits, bad habits, travel packs, so do good habits. And so I was around some friends, developed this habit of stealing stuff. I ended up actually being right after church. Uh, I think it was the second service, and I leave church. Again, this is a long time ago, not recently, okay? And so I go to a Rite Aid up the street in Ashland, and I end up stealing some stuff. I'm going to my girlfriend's house at the time, and uh, I got caught. The uh, lady at the front ends up calling the cops. Cop shows up right to the front of Rite Aid. I go in the back of the cop car, and uh, ironically, it wasn't just a cop; it was the chief of police. <sighs> Praise God, everybody, you know. And uh, the worst part of the ch- it wasn't just the chief of police. This guy goes to our church. <laughs> it's horrible, horrible. And he's not just the chief of police, and he doesn't just go to our church. He's one of my dad's best friends. <sighs> And I'm getting arrested by the chief of police, my dad's best friend, in the church. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is not going to be a good day. And I'm in the back of the car thinking that we're going to go over to, you know, where the the station is. He passes the station, pulls into the church parking lot, sits in the church parking lot, picks up his phone, dials a phone number. He goes, Derek. I'm like, oh, Jesus is Lord. Help me, God. God, I know I have been far from you right now, but save my life in Jesus' name right now. Calls dad. Dad picks up. He goes, I got your son in the back of my car. My dad says, I'll be there in two minutes. My, my, my house is like 10 minutes away. How are you going to be there in two minutes, dad? Because dad was raging. <laughs> you th- imagine imagine for a second. My parents, I don't know what your theology is on spanking and stuff, but imagine getting spanked by Derek Fry. <laughs> my butt is still red today. That might be too much, too much information. Anyways, dad comes to the ho- dad comes to the parking lot gets in the car, and I'm just like, oh, geez. Now now sit in this moment for a second. I have the spiritual leader of our community in the car, and I have the physical leader of our community in the car, the chief of police and the pastor of the city in this car, and I am making a grave mistake, and I'm just like, this is not going to go well. Ironically, what happened is... Uh, They actually were so gracious and were so loving because in the moment where I made a huge mistake and a huge issue, they discipled me, they taught me, they did not shame me, they did not condemn me. And in my worst moment, they gave me their best moments. And that's leadership. And that's what I want for our church. Is that's what I pray that our church family and the leaders and the mentors in this family possess is in your worst moments or in their worst moments, the greatest leaders show up. And they did so in a way that was so loving, so gentle, so humble, but they did so in a stern way. And so I literally had the two greatest leaders in our community uh, in a moment where I needed them most. And that's what I want to talk about today, is I really want to talk about two different categories. I want to talk to the mentors and to the leaders into the room and to the people that have made some mistakes in their life. Does that sound good for anybody? And so I want to talk about the mentors for a second because I'm telling you, you are a leader. Anybody hear that today? Come on, you're a leader. You're somebody, a person of influence, and people look up to you. And so when people make mistakes, and hear me, they're going to make some mistakes. Amen, everybody? Anybody ever seen a grave mistake made in their life from your son, your daughter, one of the people you coach, maybe somebody in your business? I'm telling you, there are going to be people in your life that make grave mistakes, but it is not a time to abandon them. It is a time to train them and to mentor them and to love them through that whole process. Because in their worst moments, they need your best moments. And so if you're a mentor in the room, and I need everybody to write these things down. Number one is write this one down. If you're a mentor, number one, have a language. You need a language. You need words to live by. You need, you need a language. Now, I wrote down three things that I think is really important for everybody in this room to know. Here's three things you put in your vocabulary and in your inventory. Number one, you are wise. So even, watch this, this is going to help so many people in here, especially the parents. When kids make a mistake, and trust me, I am one that made a lot of mistakes. I love this because we need to learn how to separate what we are doing from who we are. And so behavior and identity oftentimes, especially with young people, are intertwined and married. And so we need to separate that. So although they made a stupid decision, they are still a wise person. Did you hear what I just said? So even though they might have done something stupid or foolish, they are not stupid or foolish. And this is a time where they forget. And you need to reinforce it, mentors and leaders into the room. You are wise. Are you hearing me, everybody? And so when a grave mistake is made, hear me. You need to reinforce the fact that they are actually wise and you're speaking identity over somebody. And I love that that's what the chief of police and my father did in that car. Devin, you made a dumb decision and there are going to be consequences for it. But hear me, this is not who you are. We're pulling the greatness out of you. And I remember that moment and it changed my life. And you could do the very same thing if you're a mentor or a leader in a room when somebody makes a mistake. Number one, you are wise. Number two is this. You need to have, oh, sorry. Number two is this. You need uh, to tell them you are loved. I love this about my parents, and I trust me, I put this to the test quite a bit, is they always told me, Devin, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you couldn't make me love you more, and it couldn't make me love you less. And trust me, I put that theory to the test quite a bit. But I loved it because my parents were so consistent, and they constantly showed me how much they loved me no matter what. Can we all just say that today? Come on, no matter what you do, say that for me. It couldn't make me love you more or love you less. Start saying that to your family. Start saying that to your leaders. Start saying that to the people that you lead. And I'm telling you, it will change the game for everybody. Because I knew that even though I made something stupid, I made it done something stupid, I knew that I was still loved in that process. Isn't that good, everybody? So number one, you're wise. Number two, you are loved. And number three, you are safe. You're safe. Unfortunately, what happens all too often is people are not a safe place to go to. And here's a little litmus test. Um, When somebody makes a mistake or sin is committed or an issue happens, do people run to you or run from you? And so if they run from you, it's because they don't see you as a safe place. And so anybody see that meme on Facebook? It was something like, you know, uh, religion says, I made a mistake. Don't tell dad. Grace says, I made a mistake. I need to tell my dad. That's grace. That's indicating that you're a safe place. And so the question I want to ask the leaders, the mentors, the parents, the coaches, the employers in the room, are you a safe place where people can fail? Because let me just tell you something about Connect Church. This is a place where you get second chances, third chances, and we're going to love you and we're going to challenge you. Hear me. But this is a safe place to fail. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Come on. This is a safe place to fail. You can fail here because it's a safe place and it's a spiritual community where we love you no matter what you do. And so you're wise, you are loved, and you are safe. Number two would be this. So number one is have a language. Number two, have a gentle spirit. You need, you need a gentle spirit. It's so important. What does the Bible say in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1? It says, that we just read it earlier, uh, you need a gentle spirit and take care of them. Gently and humbly help them and restore that person back to life. So you need a gentle spirit. Something that I've taught many of my leaders is, listen, when your voice gets elevated, your influence gets lost. And so if you raise your voice, you lose your influence. And so I just think it's so important that we don't lose just because we're passionate and we're hurt or somebody has hurt us based on what they've done to us. Listen, do not lose your temper because if you lose your temper, you lose your influence. And watch this and write this down in your notes. Just because you are right with what you're saying, you could be wrong by how you're saying it. You need a gentle spirit. Come on, you need to to lead people gently. Uh, I remember uh, just recently um, I was watching uh, National Geographic, Bear Grylls is on this show, and it's talking about how uh, you know how to kill a rattlesnake because a lot of times what happens is rattlesnakes are super dangerous and poisonous, and the rattle commits all this noise. And so what people do oftentimes is they'll cut off the rattle. Little do they know that the rattle will actually grow back. And so if you want to kill the rattlesnake, you don't cut off the rattle, you cut off the head. And so what happens a lot of times in leadership settings or in leadership environments, or when people make mistakes, is we will cut off the rattle. We'll cut off the symptoms, only to realize that symptom is going to grow back. If you're going to lead well, you're not, you can't lead, cut off the uh, rattle. You need to cut off the head. And watch, a spirit of harshness will cut off the rattle. A spirit of gentleness will cut off the head. Did you hear what I just said? That was really good, by the way. So you can't just cut off rattles. You need to cut off heads. And so we need to get to the root of the problem. And if you want to know what people are like, people are like, you ever gotten a gift where it's like you see a box within a box within a box within a box? You ever gotten those gifts before? And so that's what people are like. And so you might see the fact that, you know, I was stealing some stuff, but the reality was there was some such deeper roots and issues and sin on the inside of me and beliefs that I had that need to be fixed. And so although you can say, stop stealing stuff, what is that doing? That's cutting off a rattle. But when we go deeper, and they're like, this is not who you are, young man. What are they talking about? They're talking to identity. And so they're going deeper to the root of the problem. That make sense, everybody? And so you need, you need to be gentle. Have a gentle spirit. And number three would be this. So first of all, have a language. Have a gentle spirit. And here's the third one. is this. Have a freedom plan. You need a plan. So, so for the mentors, the leaders in the room, the parents in the room, you need to have a freedom plan. And so I wrote down three questions, okay? Number one is this. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the real problem, though? So a lot of times we see. So take my uh, story for example. I had a problem where I stole a lot of stuff, but the real problem, the deeper problem, was I feel like I needed to possess other things and acquire materialistic things to be loved. You see the difference? So I'm not saying stop stealing. I'm saying this is not who you are, young man. And so we're calling the greatness and we're pulling the leader out of inside of everybody. That makes sense. Is this making sense? And so what's what's the real problem? Here's the second question: Would be this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so what happens a lot of times, especially for leaders or mentors, is we'll do the thinking for them. And this is you're, you're removing and you're not empowering the leader on the inside of the person that made a mistake. So what are you going to do about it? It's not you giving them your advice. It's trying to figure out the advice and the wisdom that's on the inside of them and pull it out of them. That's really good, by the way. And so the Bible says in James to ask God for wisdom. So God has given them wisdom. And a lot of times what mentors will do is we'll, we'll share our wisdom. Try and pull it out of them. What are you going to do about this? And here would be the last one is this. How can I help? How can I help? How can I provide accountability? How can I provide leadership? How can I provide mentorship for you in this process? And if you want a bonus question, which you could write this one down, it would be this. Is who does this affect? Who? Because their decisions, especially when a mistake is made, their decisions, they need to know that their decisions affect a lot more people than just them. Come on, am I right? They need to know that their decisions affect way more people than just them. It affects their friends. It affects their family. And a lot of times what people forget is it affects God. It affects their relationship with God. And so when they realize, first of all, they find out the real problem. They're going, to provide, they're going to be given help and accountability, and they realize who it affects. I'm telling you, they will learn so much in a moment like that, and you will see an offense not repeated as opposed to being repeated. Make sense, everybody? So that's how to mentor somebody really, really well. Have a language. Come on, have a language, have a gentle spirit, and then have a freedom plan. And then I just want to shift the focus today to those that have maybe made some mistakes. Because as somebody, I felt like a lot of times, you know the scripture where Paul talks about, he says, I feel like I was the chief of sinners. I felt like that a lot. I made a lot of dumb decisions. I made a lot of stupid mistakes. And that's just one story that I just shared. I got plenty more, maybe for the coming weeks. Who knows? But ultimately, what I think is so important, as you need to know this, to people that have made mistakes, first of all, failure is an event. It is not an identity. It's not an identity. Failure is an event, not a person. And so write this first thought down Would be this. Is God sees a leader, not a failure. Well, oh, I feel God on that. God sees a leader, not a failure. And I wonder how many people in this room, I wonder how many people online or watching me uh, today under the sound of my voice have made some mistakes and your identity has become the mistake that you made. Let me tell you something. God sees a leader in you. You feel that today? Come on, God. God sees a leader in you. Have you read your Bible? Do you know how many messed up, jacked up people God used for His glory and for His kingdom? The Bible is full of messed up, jacked up people. Made grave mistakes. People that came from nothing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you a massive list just to prove it to you. Watch this. Here's a huge list. Listen. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was mad old. Isaac was just a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. <laughs> I thought that was too funny. <laughs> can you imagine? Like God can still use ugly people. Come on, somebody. <laughs> this is terrible, Devin. Why, what are you talking about up here? Joseph was abused. Come on, Moses was a stutterer. Gideon was fearful and insecure. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Come on, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Can you pause for a second? Let's just not skip over that. David killed somebody and he committed adultery. And God says, still, he puts an identity over him. This is a man after my own heart. Come on, God sees a leader in him. Isaiah preached naked. (laughs) Just sit on that for a second. Could you imagine? (laughs) Never mind, we'll, we'll pass on. Never at Connect Church. I just want to let you know that. I know it's Sunday fun day and and kids are running around shirtless downstairs, but my God. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. Come on. Like this is in your Bible, y'all. And this man ended up preaching to 3,000 people getting saved even after he denied Christ. It was not before it. It was after it. Jesus still sees a leader. And Jesus was born in a small town, just this minuscule town nobody knew about. Paul killed Christians. He was a murderer of Christians. And hear me, Lazarus was dead. Listen, if God can use a dead man, God can use you. Come on, if God can use them, God can use you. If God can use these mistakes, people that made some serious failures, people that have messed up and jacked up, God can use you. Can I get an amen, everybody? And can we all praise God today that God sees a leader? Not a failure. I want you to know that loud and clear. You might have made some mistakes. And hear me, I feel like I am a chief of sinners a lot of times. But let me tell you something. God uses failures and turns them into preachers a lot of times. And I feel like I, feel like I am the king of that. As somebody that was so broken and so hurt and made so many stupid decisions, so many mistakes, finds himself in the back of cop cars, in stupid environments, and yet God still can use somebody's life today God sees a leader not a failure And here number two is this is listen there is more grace God has more grace than disgrace he's got more grace isn't that good news everybody come on God has more grace for you than your disgrace against God and so what does the Bible say it's in Romans chapter 5 verse 20 it actually says where sin abounds grace abounds that much more in other words where sin where there's a lot of sin there's even more grace Come on, that should fire you up today because when you commit a sin, let me tell you something, grace is coming after you. And when you have great, when you have disgrace, let me tell you something, God has more grace. And here's the last thought I just want to give you, which is this. is for those that have made some mistakes, those who have committed some failures, I want you to know from this day forward, you need to choose your future over your feelings choose your future over your feelings what do i mean by this well we find it in uh, genesis i believe chapter 24 there's there's these two brothers one's name is jacob one's name is esau and esau was the firstborn and he inherited the birthright And a birthright what a birthright was is basically it indicates the identity the heredity and the destiny of any person that carries that birthright it says this is who he is the firstborn Uh, He's going to receive, uh, this is where he, this is who he belongs to is this family. And then his destiny basically stating, in fact, and the fact is that he would inherit all the resources, all the finances, all the wealth that the father and mother have accumulated. And this would be Esau's at one point. But Esau couldn't be more different than Jacob. Esau was a hunter. Everybody follow me today? Esau was a hunter, he was an outdoorsman he was a manly man and Jacob was more an indoors kind of guy he'd take care of the house, he'd be the one to take care of the food and stuff like this and so Esau would come back from the field and he would go to Jacob and he would ask Jacob in Genesis 24 he would say, Jacob, I need some stew I'm starving here the Bible says that he was exhausted and he was hungry, which by the way he made the stupidest decision when he was exhausted and when he was hungry, and you make stupid decisions when you're exhausted and you're hungry, so be vigilant watch that And so he goes up to Jacob and he says, listen, I need some stew. Would you make me some? And Jacob asked the most preposterous thing, I think, in the Bible. He goes, I'll make you some stew. I'll make you some food if you give me your birthright. Crazy. Basically, he's saying, give me your future and I'll give you this bowl of soup. That's what he's saying. And Esau, because he he literally goes, the Bible records, he literally says, What good is a birthright if I'm gonna die? So he's exaggerating and he's lying to himself, and he ends up exchanging his birthright for a bowl of soup. (laughs) And I know a lot of times we hear a story like that and we judge him, and we're like, geez, what is Esau thinking? But we do this a lot in our culture today because oftentimes what we do is we indulge in our preferences over God's promises. And so it's so valuable. What Esau neglected to do was take care and believe and and watch over his future. And he just indulged in his feelings. And the Bible actually talks about it like this. And you've probably heard this before. That God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Watch. Because of what Esau did, it was actually supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. So history has rewritten itself and his destiny actually rewrote itself because Esau indulged in his feelings and not in looking forward to his future. And what we need to do as a church is focus and shift our focus to be from uh, taking care and wanting the stew to the benefits of the birthright. Here's another way to say it would be this. Don't ever give up the next 30 years for the next 30 minutes. Did you hear what I said? So what happened with Esau Please don't let it happen to you. Because, listen, I want to tell you, you're a leader, not a failure. God has more grace than your disgrace. And hear me loud and clear. Today, you need to make a decision. I can't write everything that I did in the past. God's grace covers the past. There might be some consequences that I have to pay for right now on earth. But hear me today. We today, from this day forward, come on, we choose our future over our feelings, everybody. Amen, everybody. Come on, we choose our future over our feelings. So mentors, leaders in the room, I'm speaking of the greatness on the inside of you. You need a language, you need a gentle spirit, Here's what you need. You need a freedom plan. And for those that have identified themselves as a failure, I want you to know today strongly, loudly, and clearly, you are not a failure. You are a leader. God has called you to impact the planet. You are called to be somebody that is a nation shaker, a generation changer. I want you to know that today. God calls you a leader. And God made, God see, we saw a lot of people that made a lot of mistakes and God still used them and God can still use you. He can still use you. I feel God in this room he can still use you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Because I believe there's some people in the room that need to respond to this today. You might have messed up. I want you to know God has more grace than your disgrace. And going back to my story for a second, I feel like God literally divinely intervened on my behalf and sent two people that cared for me and loved me. And maybe you haven't had that in your life. Here's what I think the difference is is although I wasn't following Jesus, I was a son of Jesus. And I committed my life to Christ. And it's a process. I'm in the process of sanctification, basically meaning uh, I'm in the process of becoming more like Christ. But ultimately, I gave my life to Christ. And when you give your life to Christ, he looks after you. And so mistakes you've made, mess-ups that you've had, I'm telling you, God will go out of his way to protect you and to teach you and to disciple you. And I pray you don't have to get to the discipline stage. And so ultimately what I think the difference is, is I was a child of God. And there might be some people that are just creations of God in this room. And so I want to offer an opportunity today to become a child of God. What does that mean? It says basically saying I'm exchanging my trust and putting it on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father. Nobody gets to heaven without him. And I'm telling you, when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, look out for you. And so I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to ask you to boldly lift your hand up and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm exchanging my trust in putting it in him. And so on three, one, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Two, Jesus loves you so, so much. Don't miss a moment like this. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up and say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Thank you so much. I see your hand. Thank you so much. I see your hand in the back there. Thank you so much. I see your hand. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you guys. I see y'all in the back right there. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, would everybody repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus. Everybody say it after me. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I ask you to change everything for me. I am not a failure. I am a leader. You have called me, equipped me, and sent me for moments such as this. Now I pray, from this day forward, I would choose my future over my feelings. In Jesus' name. Now Father, I I, I seal that prayer in their hearts. Holy Spirit, would you guide them, lead them, protect them. I believe that their best days are ahead of them. Nobody in this room is identified as a failure. They might have some enemies out here, they do not have any enemies in this church. And so we are for them, not against them. We will lift them up, we will encourage them, Lord. And so we're going to sing right now, Father, and we're going to sing how great you are, because you are the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance. And so we believe, Lord, that in moments like this, in an atmosphere full of faith. You can rewrite destinies. You can even change uh, how we see ourselves. And so do that today, Father, in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Come on, can we praise the Lord, everybody? Stand to your feet. Come on, let's stand to your feet. We're going to worship God together. And we're going to sing, great are you, Lord. Because how many know our God is a God worthy to be praised? Come on, everybody. Our God is a God worthy to be praised. And so we've been given second chances, third chances, fourth chances. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to be able to lift your hands and lift your voice, to sing praises to our God, to say thank you, God, for what you've done with my life. And so, Father, we lift our hands right now. We worship you. We magnify your name, and we worship you, God, for great are you, Lord. Come on, great are you, Lord. Everybody, let's sing it out.